0: Chapter Sixty seven of The Reason Why. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tony Oliva. The Reason Why by Robert Kemp Philp. Chapter Sixty seven. Thirteen o six. Whence does the snail obtain its shell? Young snails come from the egg with a shell upon their backs. 1307. How does the shell grow with the increase of size of the animal? The soft slime, which is yielded by the body of the animal, hardens upon the orifice of the shell, and thus increases its size. 1308. Why is the shell spiral? partly because of its original formation but also because as the shell grows the opening is elongated and thrown up causing the spiral body of the shell to turn and so to wind its growth around the centre notwithstanding they hearkened not unto moses but some of them left it until the morning and it bred worms and stank and moses was wrath with them exodus sixteen thirteen o nine why has the snail for tentacula attached to its head because the insect having no other limbs is provided with those projecting members the lower two serving as feelers and the upper two also as feelers and eyes these projecting in the front of the animal impart to it a consciousness of surrounding objects and especially of those which lie in its path thirteen ten why is the snail able to move without feet because it has attached to its body a fringe of muscular skin which is capable of considerable contraction and expansion and by alternately stretching and shortening this the snail is able to draw himself along thirteen eleven why do we see no snails in the winter time because they bury themselves in the ground or in holes where they remain in a torpid state for several months before they enter into the torpid state they form with their slimy secretion and with some earthy matters which they collect a strong cement with which they seal up the opening to their shells. 1312. Why can snails live in shells thus sealed? Because they leave, in the thin wall by which they close themselves in, a small hole, too small to admit water, but large enough to let in sufficient air to carry on their feeble respiration during their winter sleep. 1313 why do insects abound in putrid waters and in decaying substances because they have been endowed with appetites and with constitutions that enable them to live upon and to enjoy corrupt matter in this point of view the maggots of flies are exceedingly useful a dead carcass is speedily threaded by them in every direction thus that corrupt matter which in a large mass would poison the air is taken up in small portions by millions of living bodies and by them dispersed and becomes innocuous. for he maketh small the drops of water they pour down rain according to the vapour thereof job thirty five thirteen fourteen why do we see in tanks of rain water, insects rising to the surface because numerous insects pass through their first stages of existence in water and among them the common gnat the gnats of the previous season having deposited their eggs on the sides of the water-butt the warm water develops them and the larvae of the gnats appear figure eighty one c natural size of larva b larva magnified thirteen fifteen why do they continually rise to the surface of the water because they require to breathe air and therefore they come up to the surface where elevating the tube b above the surface of the water they are enabled to breathe thirteen sixteen why do some appear to have larger heads than others? Those that have apparently larger heads and that breathe through tubes attached to their heads, d, are in the pupa or second stage of development, and underneath the large shield by which their heads are marked, their wings, feet, etc., are being formed. Because thy loving kindness is better than life my lips shall praise thee psalm sixty three thirteen seventeen why when water is disturbed do the larvae descend more rapidly than the pupae because the pupae are in a torpid condition awaiting the formation of their perfect organs thirteen eighteen why are the flies able to escape from the water because as their formation becomes perfected and the fluids of the body of the pupa become absorbed in the production of the light texture of the wings etc the body and its case become lighter than the water and rise and float upon the surface the pupa case then forms a natural boat from which the fly emerges and spreading its wings enters upon the final state of its existence this interesting metamorphosis may be seen going on in the summer-time in every pond brook and reservoir a fine sunny morning calls up millions of these little boats from beneath the surface and the diver within that wonderful little bell breaks its sealed doors and flies away to enjoy the bright sunshine thirteen nineteen why are beetles denominated coleoptera because they have wings protected by horny sheaths the term coleoptera signifies wings in a sheath they shall lie down in the dust and the worm shall cover them job twenty one thirteen twenty why have beetles hard horny wing cases because they live underground or in holes excavated in wood etc if therefore their wings were not protected by a hard and firm covering they would be constantly liable to destruction from the movement of the insect within hard and rough bodies the elytra or scaly wings of the genus of scarbeus or beetle furnish an example of this kind the true wing of the animal is a light transparent membrane finer than the finest gauze and not unlike it it is also when expanded in proportion to the size of the animal very large in order to protect this delicate structure and perhaps also to preserve it in a due state of suppleness and humidity a strong hard case is given to it in the shape of the horny wing which we call the elitron when the animal is at rest the gauze wings lie folded up under this impenetrable shield when the beetle prepares for flying he raises the integument and spreads out his thin membrane to the air and it cannot be observed without admiration what a tissue of cordage i e of muscular tendons must run in various and complicated but determinate directions along this fine surface in order to enable the animal either to gather it up into a certain precise form whenever it desires to place its wings under the shelter which nature hath given to them or to expand again their folds when wanted for action the lord is good his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations psalm one hundred in some insects the elytra cover the whole body in others half in others only a small part of it but in all they completely hide and cover the true wings also many or most of the beetle species lodge in holes in the earth environed by hard rough substances and have frequently to squeeze their way through narrow passages in which situation wings so tender and so large could scarcely have escaped injury without both a firm covering to defend them and the capacity of folding themselves up under its protection thirteen twenty one why have many of the beetle tribe large strong horns because as they live in holes in the earth or in excavations in wood they use their horns to dig out their places of retreat. 1322. Why has the giraffe a small head? Because being set upon the end of a very long neck, the animal would be unable to raise it if it were heavy. 1323. Why has the giraffe a long neck? Because it feeds upon the branches of tall trees. 1324 why has the giraffe a long and flexible tongue because it is thereby enabled to lay hold of the tender twigs and branches and draw them to its mouth avoiding the coarser parts of the branches thirteen twenty five why are the nostrils of the giraffe small and narrow and studded with hairs because the hairs and the peculiar shape of the nasal passages are designed as a protection against the insects which inhabit the boughs of the trees upon which the giraffe feeds, and also against the sands of the desert, which storms raise into almost suffocating clouds. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Psalm 103. 1326. The distribution of animals, or zoological geography, is of great interest and should be carefully studied in connection with botanical geography, see 1208. The highest department of the animal kingdom, writes the Reverend W. Milner, commences with the class of birds, which may be naturally divided into the three great orders of aerial, terrestrial, and aquatic Aggregation into immense flocks is a distinguishing feature of several species, especially of the aquatic order, which form separate colonies, building their nests in the same state, though other spots equally adapted are at no great distance. Hence the Vogelbergs, or bird rocks of the northern seas, one of which at Westmanscharn in the faro group of islands seldom intruded upon by man presents a most extraordinary spectacle to the visitor the vogelberg lies in a frightful chasm in the precipitous shores of the island which rise to the height of a thousand feet only accessible from the sea by a narrow passage here congregate a host of birds thousands of guillemots, and ox swim in groups around the boat which conveys man to their domain look curiously at him and vanish beneath the water to rise in his immediate neighborhood the black guillemot comes close to the very oars the seal stretches his head above the waves not comprehending what has disturbed the repose of his asylum while the rapacious skua pursues the puffin and gull high in the air the birds seem like bees clustering about the rocks whilst lower they fly past so close that they might be knocked down with a stick but not less strange is the domicile of this colony on some low rocks scarcely projecting above the water sit the glossy cormorants turning their long necks on every side Next are the skua gulls regarded with an anxious eye by the kittiwakes above nest follows nest in crowded rows along the whole breadth of the rock and nothing is visible but the heads of the mothers and the white rocks between a little higher on the narrow shelves sit the guillemots and the auks arranged as on parade with their white breasts to the sea and so close that a hailstone could not pass between them the puffins take the highest station and though scarcely visible betray themselves by their flying backwards and forwards the noise of such a multitude of birds is confounding and in vain a person asks a question of his nearest neighbour the harsh tones of the kittiwakes are heard above the hole the intervals being filled with the monotonous note of the auk and the softer voice of the guillemot when graba from whose travels this description is principally drawn visited the vogelberg he was tempted by the sight of a crested cormorant to fire a gun but what became of it he remarks it was impossible to ascertain the air was darkened by the birds roused from their repose. Thousands hastened out of the chasm with a frightful noise and spread themselves over the ocean. The puffins came wandering from their holes and regarded the universal confusion with comic gestures. The kittiwakes remained composedly in their nests whilst the cormorants tumbled headlong into the sea similar great congregations of the feathered race appear where the shores are rocky high and precipitous but this is strikingly the case where quote, the northern ocean in vast whirls boils round the naked melancholy isles of farthest thull and the atlantic surge pours in among the stormy hebrides who can recount what transmigrations there are annually made? What nations come and go, and how the living clouds on clouds arise, infinite wings, till all the plumed dark air and rude resounding shore are one wild cry. Close he rained flesh upon them as dust and feathered fowls like as the sand of the sea psalm seventy eight thirteen twenty seven most terrestrial birds unacquainted with man exhibit a remarkable tameness and are slow in acquiring a dread of him even after repeated lessons that danger is to be apprehended from his neighborhood mr darwin speaks of a gun as almost superfluous in the unfrequented districts of south america for with its muzzle he pushed a hawk off the branch of a tree once while lying down a mocking thrush alighted on the edge of a pitcher made of the shell of a tortoise which he was holding in his hand and began very leisurely to sip the water even allowing him to handle it while seated on the vessel in charles island which had been colonized about six years he saw a boy sitting by a well with a switch in his hand with which he killed the doves and finches as they came to drink and for some time had been constantly in the habit of waiting by the well for the same purpose to provide himself with his dinners in the Falkland Islands. At Bourbon and at Tristan Cunha, the same tameness was noticed by the early visitors. On the other hand, the small birds in the Arctic regions of America, which have never been persecuted, exhibit the anomalous fact of great wildness. From a review of various facts, Mr. Darwin concludes, quote, first that the wildness of birds with regard to man is a particular instinct directed against him and not dependent on any general degree of caution arising from other sources of danger secondly that it is not acquired by individual birds in a short time even when much persecuted but that in the course of successive generations it becomes hereditary comparatively few young birds in any one year have been injured by man in england yet almost all even nestlings are afraid of him many individuals however both at the galapagos and at the falklands have been pursued and injured by man but yet have not learned a salutary dread of him as a bird that wandereth from her nest so is a man that wandereth from his place psalm twenty seven thirteen twenty eight numerous species of birds may be regarded as the favourites of nature on account of the gracefulness given to their shape and the richly colored plumage with which they are adorned as evidenced in the gaudy liveries of many of the parrot tribe and the forms and hues of the birds of paradise but they are especially interesting to man for the faculty of song with which they are endowed in some most musical most melancholy in others sprightly and animating inspiriting the sons of toil under the burdens peculiar to their station it deserves to be remarked as an instance of compensation and adjustment that whilst the birds of the temperate zone are far inferior to those of tropical climes in point of beauty they have far more melodious notes in connection with their less attractive appearance thirteen twenty nine from the powerful means of locomotion possessed by several of the bird tribe and their great specific levity air being admitted to the whole organization as water to a sponge it might be inferred that the entire atmosphere was intended to be their domain so that no species would be limited to a particular region the common crow flies at the rate of twenty-five miles an hour the rapidity of the eider duck mollissima, is equal to ninety miles an hour while the swifts and hawks travel at the astonishing speed of a hundred and fifty miles in the same time it is true that some species have a very extensive range as the nightingale the common wild goose and several of the vulture tribe the same kind of osprey or fishing-eagle that wanders along the scottish shores appears upon those of the south of europe and of new holland the lammergeier haunts the heights of the pyrenees the mountains of abyssinia and the mongolian steppes and the penguin falcon occurs in greenland europe america and australia in general however like plants and terrestrial quadrupeds the birds are subject to geographical laws definite limits circumscribing particular groups the common grouse of our own country affords a striking exemplification of this arrangement as it is nowhere met with out of great britain and other examples occur of a very scanty area containing a species not to be found in any other region the celebrated birds of paradise we exclusively confined to a small part of the torrid zone embracing new guinea and the contiguous islands and the beautiful lorries are inhabitants of the same districts being quite unknown to the new world parroquets are chiefly occupants of a zone extending a few degrees beyond each tropic but the american group is quite distinct from the african and neither of these have one in common with the parrots of india the great eagle is limited to the highest summits of the alps and the condor which soars above the peak of the loftiest of the andes never quits that chain humming-birds are entirely limited to the western hemisphere where a particular species is sometimes bounded by the range of an island while others are more extensively spread the flamifrons, common to lima being observed by captain king upon the coast of the straits of magellan in the depth of winter sucking the flowers of a large fuchsia then in bloom in the midst of a shower of snow among the birds incapable of flight which rival the quadrupeds in their size the intertropical countries of the globe have their distinct species presenting similar general features of organization as the ostrich of africa and arabia the cassowary of java and australia and the tuyu of brazil in the arctic regions we meet with species peculiar to them the Strix leponicus, or lapland owl and the eider duck an inhabitant of the shores from whose nests the eider down is obtained several families of maritime birds are likewise limited to particular oceanic localities approaching the fortieth parallel of latitude the albatross is seen flitting along the surface of the waves and soon afterwards the frigate and other tropical birds appear which never wander far beyond the torrid zone it thus appears that notwithstanding the great locomotive powers of birds particular groups have had certain regions assigned to them as their sphere of existence which they are adapted to occupy and to which they adhere in the main, though it is easy to conceive of natural causes occasionally constraining to a migration into new and even distant territories. Captain Smith informed Mr. Lyle that when engaged in his survey of the Mediterranean, he encountered a gale in the Gulf of Lyons, at the distance of between twenty and thirty leagues from the coast of france which bore along many land birds of various species some of which alighted on the ship while others were thrown with violence against the sails in this manner many an islet in the deep after ages of solitude and silence uninterrupted except by the wave's wild dash and the wind's fierce howl may have received the song of birds forced by the tempest from their home and compelled to seek a new one under its direction there is a path which no fowl knoweth and which the vulture's eye hath not seen job eighteen thirteen thirty there is no feature more remarkable in the economy of birds than the periodical migrations so systematically conducted in which five-sixths of the whole feathered population engage in the case of north america according to an estimate by dr richardson the passenger pigeons form themselves into vast flocks for the journey one of which has been calculated to include two billion two hundred thirty million individuals we are familiar with the cuckoo as our visitor in spring and with the house swallow as our guest through the summer the latter usually departing in october to the warmer regions of the south wintering in africa returning again when a more genial season revives its insect food by cutting off two claws from the feet of a certain number of swallows dr jenner ascertained the fact of the same individuals reappearing in their old haunts in the following year and one was met with even after the lapse of seven years the arctic birds migrate farther south when the seas lakes and rivers become covered with unbroken sheets of ice the swans geese ducks divers and coots flying off in regular phalanxes to regions where a less rigorous winter allows of access to the means of life hence soon after we lose the swallows we gain the snipes and other waders which have fled from the hard frozen north to our partially frozen morasses where their ordinary nutriment may still be obtained the equinoctial zone where the seasonal change is that of humidity and drought furnishes an example of the same phenomenon as soon as the orinoco is swollen by the rains overflows its banks and inundates the country on either side an innumerable quantity of aquatics leave its course for the west india islands on the north and the valley of the amazon on the south the increased depth of the river and the flooded state of the shores depriving them of the usual supply of fish and insects upon the stream decreasing and retiring within its bed the birds return the lord is my light and my salvation whom shall i fear the lord is the strength of my life of whom shall i be afraid psalm twenty seven thirteen thirty one a comparison between the quadrupeds of the old and new worlds is in every point strikingly in favour of the former not only has the western continent no animals of such giant bulk as those of the eastern but no examples of such high organization such power and courage as the african lion and the asiatic tiger display buffon's remark must indeed be considerably modified respecting the cowardice of the american feline race for the jaguar of the woods about the amazon when attacked by man will not hesitate to accept his challenge will even become the assailant nor shrink from an encounter against the greatest odds the following passages from the writings of humboldt show that this transatlantic animal is not to be despised the night was gloomy the devil's wall and its denticulated rocks appeared from time to time at a distance illuminated by the burning of the savannas or wrapped in ruddy smoke at the spot where the bushes were the thickest our horses were frightened by the yell of an animal that seemed to follow us closely it was a large jaguar that had roamed for three years among these mountains he had constantly escaped the pursuit of the boldest hunters and had carried off horses and mules from the midst of enclosures but having no want of food had not yet attacked men the negro who conducted us uttered wild cries he thought he should frighten the jaguar but these means were of course without effect the jaguar like the wolf of europe follows travelers even when he will not attack them. The wolf in the open fields and in unsheltered places, the jaguar, skirting the road and appearing only at intervals between the bushes. The same illustrious observer also remarks Near the Joval, nature assumes an awful and savage aspect. We there saw the largest jaguar we had ever met with the natives themselves were astonished at its prodigious length which surpassed that of all the tigers of india i had seen in the collections of europe still these were extraordinary specimens of the race and leave the fact undoubted that the most formidable of the western ferry has no pretensions to an equality with his congener the tyrant of the jungles of bengal thirteen thirty two in vain also we look among the tribes of america for a rival in outward appearance to the giraffe so remarkable for its height its swan-like neck gentle habits and soft expressive eye while the animals most serviceable to mankind the horse the ox the ass the goat and the hog not a living example of either was known there before its occupancy by the europeans but however inferior the animal race of the new may be as compared to those of the old world the balance between the two appears to have been pretty equal in remote ages geological discovery has disproved the assertion of buffon that the creative force in america in relation to quadrupeds never possessed great vigor and has established the fact that it is only the more recent specimens of its energy that are upon an inferior scale the relics of the unwieldy magatherium of the gigantic sloth and armadillo like animals discovered in great abundance embedded in its soil prove that at a former period it swarmed with monsters of equal bulk with those that now roam in the midst of africa and asia the estuary deposit that forms the plains westward of buenos aires and covers the gigantic rocks of the bando oriental appears to be the grave of extinct gigantic quadrupeds but wild beasts of the desert shall lie there and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures and owls shall dwell there and satyrs shall dance there isaiah fourteen thirteen thirty three there are various animals which are very widely dispersed enduring the extremes of tropical heat and of polar cold which are either in a wild condition or in a state of domestication wild races considered to be varieties of the domestic dog occur in india sumatra australia belokistan natolia nubia various parts of africa and both the americas while in subjection to man the dog is his faithful companion and has followed his steps into every diversity of climate and of situation to which he has wandered the north temperate zone of the old continent appears to be the native region of the ox which passes in lapland within the arctic circle and has been spread over south america since its first introduction by the spaniards the horse originally an inhabitant of the temperate parts of the old world has shared in a similar dispersion and now exists in the high latitude of iceland in the desolate regions of patagonia and roams wild in the immense herds over the llanos of the orinoco leading a painful and restless life in the burning climate of the tropics humboldt draws a striking picture of the sufferings of these gifts of the old world to the new returned to a savage state in their western location Quote, in the rainy season the horses that wander in the savannah and have not time to reach the rising grounds of the llanos perish by hundreds amidst the overflowings of the rivers the mares are seen followed by their colts swimming during a part of the day to feed upon grass the tops of which alone wave above the waters in this state they are pursued by the crocodiles and it is by no means uncommon to find the prints of the teeth of these carnivorous reptiles on their thighs pressed alternately by excess of drought and of humidity they sometimes seek a pool in the midst of a bare and dusty soil to quench their thirst and at other times flee from water and the overflowing rivers as menaced by an enemy that encounters them in every direction harassed during the day by gadflies and mosquitoes the horses mules and cows find themselves attacked at night by enormous bats that fasten on their backs and cause wounds which become dangerous because they are filled with acaridae and other hurtful insects. In the time of great drought, the mules gnaw, even the thorny mellocactus, melon thistle, in order to drink its cooling juice and draw it forth as from a vegetable fountain. During the great inundations, these same animals lead an amphibious life, surrounded by crocodiles water-serpents and manatees yet such are the immutable laws of nature their races are preserved in the struggle with the elements and amid so many sufferings and dangers when the waters retire and the rivers return to their beds the savannah is spread over with a fine odiferous grass and the animals of old europe and upper asia seem to enjoy as in their native climates the renewed vegetation of spring "1334 the first colonists of la plata landed with 72 horses in the year 1535 when owing to a temporary desertion of the colony the animals ran wild and in 1580 only forty-five years afterwards it had reached the straits of magellan the ass has a more restricted range than the horse not being capable of enduring so great a degree of cold though usually far from being considered a delicate animal to the warmer parts of the temperate zone between the twentieth and the fortieth parallels of latitude the ass seems best adapted Not propagating much beyond the sixtieth and only occurring in a state of degeneration beyond the fifty-second the sheep and goat tribe are widely spread equally supporting the extremes of temperature according to zimmermann the argali or mouflon, the original race of sheep still exists on all the great mountains of the two continents and the capricorn and ibex the ancestors of the common goat inhabit the high european elevations from the sixty-fourth degree of north latitude the hog is met with all over the old continent and also in the islands of the indian ocean peopled by the malay race and since its introduction into the new world it has diffused itself over it from the 50th parallel north as far as Patagonia. Originally, the cat was not known in America, nor in any part of Oceanica, but it has now spread into almost every country of the globe. Among animals entirely wild, the most extensively diffused are the fox, hare, squirrel, and ermine, but the species are different in every region of the world nor is there perhaps one example to be found of a species perfectly identical naturally existing in distant localities of the earth his going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof psalm 19 respecting the internal constitution and heat of the earth differences of opinion and some very wild speculation have existed we find in humboldt's cosmos the following remarks thirteen thirty five quote it has been computed at what depths liquid and even gaseous substances from the pressure of their own superimposed strata would attain a density exceeding that of platinum or of iridium and in order to bring the actual degree of ellipticity which was known within very narrow limits into harmony with the hypothesis of the infinite compressibility of matter leslie conceived the interior of the earth to be a hollow sphere filled with an imponderable fluid of enormous expansive force such rash and arbitrary conjectures have given rise in wholly unscientific circles to still more fantastic notions the hollow sphere has been peopled with plants and animals on which two small subterranean revolving planets pluto and proserpine were supposed to shed a mild light a constantly uniform temperature is supposed to prevail in these inner regions and the air being rendered self-luminous by compression might well render the planets of this lower world unnecessary near the north pole in eighty two degrees of latitude an enormous opening is imagined from which the polar light visible in aurora streams forth and by which a descent into the hollow sphere may be made sir humphrey davy and myself were repeatedly and publicly invited by captain symes to undertake this subterranean expedition so powerful is the morbid inclination of men to fill unseen spaces with shapes of wonder regardless of the counter evidence of well-established facts or universally recognized natural laws even the celebrated Halley, at the end of the seventeenth century hollowed out the earth in his magnetic speculations a freely rotating subterranean nucleus was supposed to occasion by its varying positions the diurnal and annual changes of the magnetic declination it has been attempted in our own day in tedious earnest to invest with the scientific garb that which in the pages of the ingenious holberg was an amusing fiction the following are among the speculations which humboldt thus severely but justly condemns Quote, the increase of temperature observed is about one degree fahrenheit for every fifteen yards of descent in all probability however the increase will be found to be in a geometrical progression as investigation is extended in which case the present crust will be found to be much thinner than we have calculated it to be and should this be found to be correct the igneous theory will become a subject of much more importance in a geological point of view than we are at present disposed to consider it taking then as correct the present observed rate of increase the temperature would be as follows water will boil at a depth of two thousand four hundred thirty yards lead melts at the depth of eight thousand four hundred yards there is red heat at the depth of seven miles gold melts at twenty-one miles cast iron at seventy-four miles soft iron at ninety-seven miles and at the depth of one hundred miles there is a temperature equal to the greatest artificial heat yet observed a temperature capable of fusing platina porcelain and indeed every refractory substance we are acquainted with these temperatures are calculated from guyton morveau's corrected scale of wedgewood's and if we adopt them we find that the earth is fluid at the depth of one hundred miles from the surface and that even in its present state very little more than the soil on which we tread is fit for the habitation of organized beings. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. Luke one. The above is to be found in Mr. Tim's Things Not Generally Known a little book which professes to set people right upon points on which they are in error upon this subject mr hunt in his poetry of science says thirteen thirty six quote a question of great interest in a scientific point of view is the temperature of the centre of the earth we are of course without the means of solving this problem but we advance a little way onwards in the inquiry by a careful examination of subterranean temperature at such depths as the enterprise of man enables us to reach these researches show us that where the mean temperature of the climate is fifty degrees the temperature of the rock at fifty-nine fathoms from the surface is sixty degrees at one hundred thirty-two fathoms it is seventy degrees at two hundred thirty-nine fathoms it is eighty degrees being an increase of ten degrees at fifty-nine fathoms deep or one degree in thirty-five point four feet of ten degrees more at seventy-three fathoms deeper or one degree in forty-three point eight feet and of ten degrees more at one hundred fourteen fathoms still deeper or one degree in sixty-four point two feet although this would indicate an increase to a certain depth of about one degree in every fifty feet yet it would appear that the rate of increase diminishes with the depth it appears therefore probable that the heat of the earth so far as man can examine it is due to the absorption of the solar rays by the surface the evidences of intense igneous action at a great depth cannot be denied but the doctrine of a cooling mass and of the existence of an incandescent mass at the earth's center remains but one of those guesses which active minds delight in. End quote. Upon the subject of hunger and thirst by which living creatures are prompted to feast upon the bounties of nature, Sir Charles Bell says in Appendix to Paley's Natural Theology, thirteen thirty seven. Quote, hunger is defined to be a peculiar sensation experienced in the stomach from a deficiency of food such a definition does not greatly differ from the notions of those who referred the sense of hunger to the mechanical action of the surfaces of the stomach upon each other or to a threatening of chemical action of the gastric juice on the stomach itself but an empty stomach does not cause hunger on the contrary the time when the meal has passed the stomach is the best suited for exercise and when there is the greatest alacrity of spirits the beast of prey feeds at long intervals the snake and other cold-blooded animals take food after intervals of days or weeks a horse on the contrary is always feeding his stomach at most contains about four gallons yet throw before him a truss of tares or lucerne and he will eat continually the emptying of the stomach cannot therefore be the cause of hunger the natural appetite is a sensation related to the general condition of the system and not simply referable to the state of the stomach neither to its action nor its emptiness nor the acidity of its contents nor in a starved creature will a full stomach satisfy the desire of food under the same impulse which makes us swallow the ruminating animal draws the morsel from its own stomach 1338 hunger is well illustrated by thirst suppose we take the definition of thirst that it is a sense of dryness and constriction in the back part of the mouth and thalsies. the moistening of these parts will not allay thirst after much fatigue or during fever in making a long speech if a man's mouth is parched and the dryness is merely from speaking. It will be relieved by moistening, but if it comes from the feverish anxiety and excitement attending a public exhibition, his thirst will not be so removed. The question as it regards thirst was brought to a demonstration by the following circumstance. A man having a wound low down in his throat was tortured with thirst but no quantity of fluid passing through his mouth and gullet and escaping by the wound was found in any degree to quench his thirst. End quote. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Ecclesiastes twelve. Quote, thirst then like hunger has relation to the general condition of the animal system to the necessity for fluid in the circulation for this reason a man dying from loss of blood suffers under intolerable thirst in both thirst and hunger the supply is obtained through the gratification of an appetite and as to these appetites it will be acknowledged that the pleasures resulting from them far exceed the pains they gently solicit for the wants of the body they are the perpetual motive and spring to action End quote. End of chapter sixty seven